If you were planning to get married and you and your sweetheart came to my office for premarital counseling, I would ask you to articulate your differences and similarities in your families, in your experiences with faith, and in your approaches to finances. One of the most important topics, though, is how you fight with each other. If you grew up in a family with lots of other kids interrupting each other, taking food and getting it on your plate before it was all gone, you will have a different approach to communication and to fighting than will an only child. That's just how it is. And so it's important for couples to learn how to fight well together. Job and God fight well together. While there's an illumination in the Vatican titled, Job Interrupts God, Job and God seem to have respect for each other. Earlier in the book of Job, Job has invited God onto the witness stand. But for a while, God remains silent. Most people think of God as male, but we might wonder whether God is female as well as God handles giving Job the silent treatment. Regardless, when, Job, when God responds, we know it. Yesterday, the kids and I were at James Madison University for homecoming, and 10 minutes before the game started, the ROTC let us know with a cannon blast. Pow! If you were going to the game, it was definitely time to enter the stadium. Well, in Job 38, we have God coming to Job out of the whirlwind. And the whirlwind signifies the entering of God into the presence of people. And through those chapters, God reorients Job to Job's place in the universe. At one point, Job does break in and says, See, I am small. What can I say? And then he says, I lay my hand upon my mouth. I am silent before you, O God. And so in that silence, God starts again. And after God finishes, it's Job's turn again. And again, Job responds humbly. Job answers the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And he quotes God, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? That was one of the questions that God asked Job. Job says to that, therefore, I have uttered what I do not understand or did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And Job quotes God again, hear and I will speak, I will question you and you declare to me. And to that, Job says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And if you were familiar with the first couple of chapters in Job, you might remember that Job had gone outside of the city and was sitting on the ash heap. Therefore, I repent in dust and ashes, recognizing that from dust he has come, and to dust he shall return. 
In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea. Hundreds of passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters. And news of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like radar or even thick fog. The cause was human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby, and both could have steered clear of the other, but according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first, and by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. Humility is almost always a good response. Humility doesn't always proclaim that we are weak or that we are strong. Andrew Murray describes it, bringing in the connection to Jesus, who humbled himself for us. Here's what Murray says. Humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is for me to have no trouble, never to be fretted or vexed or irritated or sore or disappointed, Doesn't that sound nice? It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around is trouble. It is the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ's redemptive work on Calvary's cross, manifested in those of his own who are definitely subject to the Holy Spirit. Job responds humbly. When his turn came, he no longer argued with God. In humility, he seeded that God was larger and more complex than he ever could comprehend. And even though God didn't answer his specific questions, God said what Job needed to hear. There's so many things that we only can learn by experience. Sometimes it's different. The summer before college graduation, my roommate was dating three different guys. The next year, she had narrowed it to one, and the next year, they got married. And at the time of her wedding, she said, when it's right, you'll know. And they recently celebrated their 25th anniversary, but I, um, I hadn't had that experience, when it's right, you'll know, at that stage. But from her, I learned to wait for the time when I knew it was right. Sometimes we can learn from other people's experience. Job says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. We have heard of God. Many of us are at church Sunday after Sunday hearing about God, and yet we crave the experience of seeing God. From God's discourse, Job learned that he was seeing God all around him. He just didn't know it. 
in Sam Ballantyne's commentary on the book of Job, he quotes L. Alonzo Schuckel on our expectations when we read the scripture and whether our expectations are open or closed. And I would say this goes beyond scripture. It just is a part of who we are. Sometimes our expectations are open. Sometimes they're closed. Here's what he says. Closed expectation digs out a channel in advance and refuses to accept any denouement which follows a different channel. Open expectation looks in a particular direction but is prepared to do a detour in order to follow the way out suggested by the text. With open expectation, although the author chooses a route I was not expecting, and so at first disorients me, I nevertheless try to follow him and discover where his trail is leading. And so what about this book of Job? What is our expectation? Is it closed or is it open? Do we expect a happy ending? Do we expect the restoration of Job's family and livestock, double what he had in the past? Is Job just supposed to forget what he lost before? And doesn't this ending contradict the ideas floated earlier from Job? Do you ever get annoyed with our scriptures? In some circles, that would be a sacrilegious question. But if I'm honest, sometimes I get a little annoyed with how other people thought or what they said. For instance, we look over the whole book of Job, and our story begins in prose and a conversation among heavenly beings. And then Job and his so-called friends speak in poetry for most of the book, all the way through Job's response to God in the first part of today's reading. And then at the end, there's this epilogue, which returns to prose. We skipped over the part where Job prays for his friends and restores them to relationship with God. But then we have this. And the Lord stored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Wasn't most of the book about how God doesn't repay evil with evil and good with good? Didn't we just hear that bad things happen to good people and now God makes good things happen to good people? And in our lives, we know good people where bad things have happened and we know bad, things to whom, bad people to whom good things have happened. So what do we make of this epilogue, which might be a little annoying? Here's one suggestion. Multiple interpretations of God are possible. Multiple interpretations of God are possible. In fact, that's the one thing that is one thing I love about being Baptist. From our beginnings, Baptists have believed that multiple interpretations of God of, of God are possible and even faithful. And it is part of our intention as Baptist Christians to respect that. So when a church believes that Scripture tells them they should not ordain women as deacons or have a female senior minister, 
I am bound by my beliefs to respect their decision, even though I vehemently disagree. Earlier this month, the Baptist General Association of Virginia did something that some think was unbaptist. In a state where Baptists were persecuted and jailed for preaching their beliefs several centuries ago, where religious freedom in the U.S. had its birth, our State Baptist Association has asked a church to withdraw based on an action that that church took. It's in the Religious Herald. Richmond Church asked to withdraw from BGAV. You can find this eventually on our bulletin board downstairs or on religiousherald.org. The point is, multiple interpretations of God and God's guidance are possible. And even, I might add, helpful. In younger Christian days, I thought the phrase, God's will, meant God had a single path for me, and if I didn't follow it, I would regret it and maybe be off the right path for the rest of my life. And then I had an experience where my ear had heard of God, but then my eye saw God. It's been more than 12 years ago when my husband and I were first talking about starting our family. I was asked to consider being nominated for a one-year leadership position in the State Baptist Association. Not wanting to interrupt that year with becoming a mother, I had to decide between two paths. Do I say no to the possibility of nomination, or do I say no to starting a family at this stage in my life? I'm waiting. We happened to be at the beach when I was weighing the choice, and I took a long walk by myself to ask God which option was God's will. I didn't hear God say, start a family. I didn't hear God say, toss your name into the ring. What I heard was something more like, which one do you want? What? Didn't God have a certain path? Wasn't there one answer to that question about what's right? I was surprised to imagine that there could be more than one good way to go, more than one good path. Each had its consequences, and the decision would change my life. But it felt to me like God was okay with either one. That day, a new channel was cut into my faith, and looking back, I can say, like Job did, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, and I repent. In the epilogue, which is called Job's Restoration, Job gets seven new sons, which is great. Everyone wanted sons. But he also gets three new daughters. And the sons aren't named in the text, but the women are. That is rare. Even rarer 
is that the daughters would receive inheritance along with the sons. And we're told that as well. That was not the way Job's society worked. But Job has seen with his eye a new justice, a new equality among all of God's creatures. Job has seen with his eye how interconnected everything on earth is, not just humans and not just Job. Humans need trees and plants to give us oxygen. We need the water cycle and the fish of the sea. We need the amazing and different animals God has created, even flies to clean up the mess that decay leaves behind. Our world is diverse, creative, and awe-inspiring, and to respect that is a part of Job's call to repentance. We need a reminder of diversity in our nation these days when we may ride by somebody's house and see that they have a sign in their yard and we think they're voting for the wrong person. Jenny told me in Sunday school that some of us, some some local churches are going to have communion on election day as a reminder of the fact that we are unified in our diversity. God is greater than we can imagine. And Job reminds us that whatever else God is, God is in relationship with us, and God is merciful. We have heard with our ears. Now we are called to go and to go see with our reoriented eye, the spiritual eye within us that that observes people and relationships and all of the gifts that are around us, the amazing world shaped by our creator. So I would like for us to thank God and to offer praise, as Job did, to the one who has given us so much. May we pray together. Holy God, we recognize that you are, and we recognize that you are God, and we are not. We thank you once again for this incredible earth that you have created And pray that you would help us to see it as a gift from you. And to see each other as gifts from you to us. Hear our prayers, O God. And guide us into a deeper relationship with you. You who surround us with care and strength and beauty and hope. Amen.